Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 153. You'll do this for about 25 years, the number will take about half an hour to spit out before we get stuck into the golf. Uh, lovely to be here, uh, surrounded by good people as always, Mark Hayes, good to see you, Hayes. Hello, Murray. And the great Matt Cutler joins us, the fan club will be happy, how are you, Cuts? I'm well, thanks, Andy. Um, We've got a remarkable story a bit later on, uh, the show, by the name, you won't know the name Shane Floyd, I don't think. But you'll want to know him when you hear what he did at his golf club on the weekend. Uh, remarkable round of golf that he played. Uh, 58's what you need to know. At the end of it all, he'll tell us how it all played out on the way through. Can't wait to talk to him. But it's, you, can't, you know, you can sort of – you can watch a lot of sport, right? And you can sort of imagine what it would feel like to kick a – just kick a freakish torpedo 65 or 70 metres if you're playing Aussie rules or – Bust a couple of tackles if you're playing rugby league and score. You can imagine what that feels like. I can't imagine what it feels like to shoot 58. We can <laughs> no, all have one th- or two good holes in a row, but 18 of them. Yeah, if you bust a tackle and run 80 metres to the corner mm. and you and you whack it down, it's sort of one moment of glory. But That's to, right. To do mm. 58 is no. like it's repeated four hours worth of magnificence. Yeah. Not letting yourself get in your own way. Not ruining the whole thing. Not stopping and counting at some stage. And getting terrified by the numbers. Yeah. I'll be interested to know how we went through that and how we got through that. Yeah. yeah we'll ask yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Another sort of another real, really interesting week in the world of golf. There's a bit of it happening on the course and a bit happening off it. Paul Azinger has probably been the biggest story of the week, um, given the comments he made going into the final round of the Honda and you know, seemingly discrediting golf anywhere but the US when talking about Tommy Fleetwood. Everybody's... <laughs> Everybody outside of America's piled in um, with some fairly, you know, some fairly animated responses to what Azinger had to say. What, what did we make of it all? Well, I get criticised for being sort of, you know, anti-American in this podcast, Andy, so I might let Matt have his sort of say about it. Yeah. Oh, are you anti-American? You're pro-international, Hazy. Um, I, th- I got the actual quote here. He said, that European tour. That European tour. The yep. international game and all that. Mm. Like... It's just disrespectful. Elements of what he said, no one can disagree with. Not fine. But the way he went about it and the, the disrespect he showed someone like Lee Westwood Ugh. and then doubled down on it, it was like, really? It feeds into comments that we now have heard in recent times. It's a, there's a the podcast done two weeks ago that um, has lifted the lid to a degree on you know the, the, the kind of commentary that is expected of American broadcasters when they're covering the PGA Tour. You need to be a cheerleader. You need to be a fanboy. You need to be a PR agent. You need to be all of that, or you or you get punted. And this, when you when you now know this, you know we've heard Peter Costas put this all out there for the world to understand. Now that he's no longer part of the kind of CBS Golf family, um, once you once that's in in the back of your head, you you listen to the broadcast with a completely different ear. Well, I, I did on the weekend. I mean, well, Dan, Dan Hicks sitting there like a like a buffoon, yeah. just nodding stupidly while the whole thing was going on. I mean, if he's he, he somebody noted a European correspondent from another sport noted, it was Dan Hicks's responsibility as the professional broadcaster, not not the pundit, not the former golfer. It was Dan Hicks's responsibility as the professional broadcaster to pull Azinger up as he said it, but he didn't because he. You're not allowed to. Or at least have a conversation. Have a conversation about it. I love what Ian Poulter said. Yep. Uh, um, you know, Ian Poulter is, I think in this instance, speaks for all yeah. of us. 
I like Paul Azinger a lot, he said on Twitter, and get on with him, great. But Paul, please do not condescend or disrespect the European tour and our players like that. We have slapped your ass in Ryder Cup for so long. Mm. I know you captain to win, but seriously, that was embarrassing mm. today. Now, uh, you know, do you want to go through the myriad journeyman, like the literal meaning of journeyman pros on the USPGA tour and compare any one of them? I'm not talking Justin Thomas, you know, the no, upper no, no, echelon. No, yep, yep. But do you want to compare any of those guys, don't need to name names, against the career of, of Lee Westwood? Oh, I mean, good God. I mean, it's unbelievable mm, what mm. Westwood's achieved. And we talked about him a few weeks ago on the podcast, having won in, uh, was it three or four? Four separate four decades. decades, yep. Now. Yeah. Yep. They'll be lucky to have their moment in the sun and get one win. And, and because it's in the United States, it's better than what Lee Westwood's done? Or, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's top 10 in the world. Yep. There's yeah. so many scumpers over there who make big pay packets. <laughs> It's not surprising though, really. Like it's just verbalizing what their graphics always say. Like yeah. first PGA Tour win, the guy might have won ten times yeah. around the world, yeah. but first first PGA Tour win, first win, like yeah. Well, it was the notion like when he was um, when he was trying to um, illustrate um, the kind of the the importance to to Fleetwood. He quoted Mark Wilson. Yeah. He said, oh, "You know, Mark Wilson. Well, he triumphed around you know PGA <laughs> South or whatever it was, and." You know, as if to say, as if to hold the career of Wilson up as being fulfilled yeah. compared to that of Fleetwood, which is has this gaping hole in it. I, I know which career anybody on the planet would rather have. Yeah. I mean, there is no nobody who knows anything about the ga- game outside of America, if you are American, or, or internationally, if you're not from the South, who would take Mark Wilson's career over a Tommy Fleetwood any day of the week. Let's get it straight. I mean, the, the majority of Americans would yeah. understand that point of view, Andy, too. You would think the so. The vast majority, yeah, I You would believe. think so. But it's just, yep. uh, you, as you say, it goes back to, you know, what, what plays on in the American media. And that's just, it's just so wrong. Wasn't it, it Azinger that said Molinari, this this is one of the biggest part of his career when he was going to win in Honda yeah. oh. six or seven months after he won the Open? Yeah, yep. that's exactly yep. right. So, yeah. Yep. So how, just as a matter of interest, because I think... It, when you strip it all back, we're all annoyed to various degrees about, you know, what Agent just said feeds into this kind of myopic nature of the Americans and, you know, what the PGA Tour wants itself to be. We understand all of that, right? But when you peel it back, there is somewhere in there this kernel of truth from Paul Azinger that that this is the tour that everybody, everybody in inverted commas, most players want to get on. This is the tour that most players want to get. And this is where the big money can be made. Really big money can be made. How do we how do we weigh up the the what happens in America? And when I say we, I mean the three of us here. How do we weigh up what happens in America compared to other places in the world on a weekly basis? How does this podcast weigh it up? Yeah. How do you how do you Mark Hayes feel about well, the kid that wins in? Um, in Oman, remarkable story. This kid, we'll have a chat about him. The kid from Finland, he wins in Oman on the weekend. Do we give him less credit than we give Sung Jaim for winning? Now, high quality fields, the pair of them. The leaderboard at the end of the Honda wasn't a world class leaderboard. Thankfully, Cam Davis's name was in the middle of it all, and we'll throw we'll throw him into the mix in a minute. But it wasn't it wasn't a hold the phone. Have a look at this. Fifteen of the top twenty are finished. It wasn't a great looking leaderboard at the end of the event. No, and that, and that which downplays Song Jm, who's going to yep. be a rock star. Absolutely, but you know, compared to the Mexico event the previous week, it was a well, it was a, you mm. know, a patch of the field that was down in Mexico. So uh, you know, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. I do think that it's a stronger field than the one that went around in Oman. <laughs> yep, it was, yep. Uh, and I, I, I would, um, I, you know, as as much as a fan of Finnish golf as I am, I've, I'm a far bigger rat for Song Jm. Yep. So. Uh, I don't know, Andy, I think as a rule, we would sort of um, assess each field on its merits and the course on its merits. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I, I write those two things down here, Hazy. And what interests me in a golf tournament is how strong was the field and what's the golf course they're playing on. Mm. I'd rather watch an average field play a great golf course he, 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 than a brilliant field play dartboard. a run-of-the-mill track yep. dartboard. Yep. Yeah. And the President's Cup highlighted that, and that mm. was a brilliant field, obviously, as well. But... Can we just get good golf courses back into play? And mm. then, then these American events will have more relevance, I think, to the rest of the world. Mm. I think that's really fair. Cool. Well spoken. Yep, yep. And, and, and it's becoming increasingly, we've, we highlighted it perhaps 
couple of years ago, and it's been known for longer than that. But Adam Scott is a great example. He used to play probably 40 tournaments a year, and now he plays 22 or 23 because he picks and chooses. He's been variously now seven in the world, I think, but up to 40 and as high as one, obviously, and all points in between. Um, it, so if you're in the top 40 in the world and you can pick and choose when you play, it stands to reason that uh, the tournaments week to week on the USPGA Tour aren't what they used to be. Mm. That's you a don't get to see Jack Nicholas pegging it up like he used to, you know, four weeks out of five. Yeah. Yep. You just don't have that because they, they're they doing exactly what we'll talk about Dustin Johnson. They're picking and choosing mm. when when and where they play. Is the, is the money sufficient? Is it close enough to home? Can I take my wife? Whatever it is, that's the deciding factor, mm. not providing the best possible golf that week. Mm. And, and what it becomes, and the, the, the extension of all of that is, and this is what unfortunately what happens, it just becomes content. Yep. All it is is content. It's weekly content for um, broadcasters. And I don't know about you two, but I, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of golf that you might tune into on a Friday our time to see who's going to make the cut. And then if it's depending on what the leaderboard looks like, um, Saturday morning. I mean, I should say our time. Depending on what the leaderboard looks like, you, you can easily not watch another shot of that tournament. Yeah. Easily go through the weekend without not watching another shot. It's pretty disastrous it's for me in my massive. role, but I'm like that. It yep. is. It's massively concerning. And in my role, I'm so interested in what – I'm just scanning the leaderboard. Where's Cam Davis? Watch, Where's yep. Lucas Herbert? Yep. Where's Suo? Where's Minji? Where's Hannah? Like, yep. And that's a worry for the game. Yep. Because if we work in the industry, if we're doing that, mm. what's the average fan doing? And I might yep. be wrong, but – We've got to make it more interesting. Yeah, we do. No, I think your point about good golf courses is bang on, but uh, we all know how it works over there. So so the two things to take out, so the winner, the winner's clearly an un- a slightly unconventional player. He swings very stat- – oh, you explain the swing. I mean, it's, you're, you're much better at – but it's an unusual Former Riversdale golf, golf Club champion, Matt hey? Cutler. Former Riversdale well, Golf well, Club uh, champion. One of the absolute gurus of the game. Riversdale Cup on this week, Hazel. It is too. We'll get to that. Um, Eddie <laughs> – I was more interested. He lost the. Do you band have to go to the Champions Center? <laughs> <laughs> what did you have on the menu? When yeah, what you did you? Back? Your year. Uh, what did we you do, do a magnificent Villies pie. Lovely. <laughs> 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 With the chocolate milk. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, Sungjae. He's going to be a star. Mm. He's going to be a star. And again, for us, the Presidents Cup um, connection there made that yeah. tournament more um, interesting with the Tommy Fleetwood stuff and. And you might have uncovered the secret to Song JM's success. He's taken the band aid off. <laughs> band aid that was across his ear during the president's. Oh, cup, that's right. Yes, which was covering a pimple. I found out. Is that what it was? Yeah. Very a, vain. Right, a pimple that he hardcore Let's research. Not talk about that. Hardcore research. In breakfast. Cam um, Davis, fantastic result. We, we're going to talk about Song JM's swing. Oh, go on. Apparently, he used to swing, you know, at a much greater tempo than what he does now. Yeah. And four years ago, he just decided he was instructed to slow it down. Just slow it down. And he says it's actually getting progressively slower. Right. It's sort of like a ice age happening in a glacier moving slow, more slowly. So he's actually slowing it down uh, more this year than last year and, and same for the last four years. Um, but it is, it's in, incredible to watch. Yeah, it is. God damn, he flushes the ball. Yep. There's uh, something it, about this. Is, again, the ball sounds a bit different. Yeah. Hmm. It sounds a bit different with his club. And all those guys at the President's Cup, some had seen him, some hadn't up close just remarked of how good a ball striker yeah, he was. Right, okay. And this guy is going to be a rock star. So he was um, the leading money winner on the um, nationwide web corn ferry tour <laughs> um, two years ago. He came up last year, yep. uh, was the rookie of the year on the PGA Tour, and now he's had his first win. I mean, it's a stellar progression that mm. he's making mm. here. Yeah. called tracking. Tracking? He's tracking. Yeah, he's he's tracking. tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cam Davis, is he tracking? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Eighth, another top 10 for him. I think 80th on the FedEx now, Hazy. 80th on the FedEx, which, you know, doesn't punch you in the face. It's a great number, but what it means is he's getting close to a number that's going to keep him his card for next year. Yep, yep. Uh, and he can start playing with house money. And I think that's half the battle because he'll play more freely for the next five or six months and who knows what he can do. And I think, you know, that track that they played on, um, whatever it's called, PGA something South or other. Southwest, North. Um, yeah. It, it was. It's one of the harder tracks. I'm not saying mm. it's a good looking one, but it's one of the harder tracks they play. And I think we always say this: when the tracks get harder, the Australians will go better. 
eagled 18 to yeah, get to two him. under, which yeah, was great. So a uh, fantastic result for him. Uh, Matty Jones, T47. Cam Percy didn't have a great weekend. T61 was in. Uh, Percy's round was fascinating. He was, he was right there. Uh, late on the Friday there time. He was like one under and four or five back. And then 45 minutes later was four over mm-hmm. and was struggling to make the cut. So he got in and held his... Um, you, have to, you have to do 20 push-ups in this studio right now, Andy, if you say the word bear trap. I'm not going to do it. You said it. You just said it. <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> I'll hit the I wasn't going to say I didn't want to do it. Uh, so that was the Australians there. Uh, Brad Kennedy wins his second New Zealand Open. In terms of the visual experience of watching some golf on the television uh, over the weekend, it was a far more pleasurable experience than watching what was coming out of America. His last round was – we touched on this yesterday for a couple of minutes when we did the radio spot together. His last round, cuts, was, was unbelievable. I, I watched the cut down highlights. Yep. Um, he hit it straight and hit it at pins and was flawless. He for was almost his entire last round. He was, and I think Lucas Herbert was tied for the lead going into the last round. Shoots four under, and you can't do a lot more than that. As the doors blown off him, hit a yeah. bad shot. Hit that hit that shot in the water on that par three. Hit it way left on a on the. 14th, I'm going to say 14th or 15th. So just as Kennedy was really starting to put the foot down, Herbert was still leading, I reckon, at the time. He took five, I'm going to say. I think he might have missed his putt yeah, I think for so. bogey. I think yeah. he might have taken a double. Uh, so it, there was a really big shift mm. in terms of the leaderboard at, in that 15, 20 minutes. And once Kennedy saw his name in front, he was... He's been contending all summer. Like, uh, go right back to... September, October, the start of our tour. Well, he forewent the Australian Open start so he could go to the Japan Tour finale where he finished second narrowly. And that capped a run of, I think, three top fives in four weeks there in Japan and came back home even though he hadn't practiced and, you know, went well in, at the Vic Open, went really well at the Queensland PGA and coughed it up in yeah. the last four holes, um, was right in the frame in the Queensland Open uh, and then fell back too. Like he'd had two or three really bad weekends by his own standards. Uh, but, yeah, 29 on the back nine. Wooshka. That's just he- magnificent. Heavily loaded field with Australian golfers in it, but can we continue the hashtag gold near a run or not? Even though he's been he's sort of more in the veteran class these days. 45. Can we keep it going or not? Is he, For him? Yeah. Can he nah, just be the st- – If we decided last week that Cam Smith was the outlaw – I'm going to say they're all piling in now. It, it, this is not discriminating against agents. They are all finding uh, they're, they're starting, the, the, the golden era kids have busted the door down and the old times are now going, well, if they can do it, so can we. That's what I'm going to go with anyway. I like your logic. You're going to go with that? Why it not? It doesn't stand any scrutiny whatsoever, but we're going to make the most of it while well, we can. What I like to think, Andy, is friends of the podcast shining. There you go. I like it. I like it Brad, a lot. Lovely. Brad Kennedy's um, one of the greats. Dustin John, anything else from New Zealand before we get to the Olympics and DJ? No, no. I, no I, you know, credit to Lucas Herbert. And yep. I, I, I know that um, Matty wanted to bring something up because Herbie is obviously in good form having won in Dubai and he's, his rankings climbed up into the mid 60s, Matty. It has 66, which is just on that okay. cusp of the, uh, mm. the world match play or the world match play played in America. Um, <laughs> Funny about so that. top 64 for that. So right on that bubble. And when's um, the cutoff for that? March 16th is the cutoff for that. So, so um, you start thinking about top 50? Uh, he won't be, he won't be, um, he'll just let the process happen. <laughs> because that's, that's from not, the high performance the, manager. When's then. the, when's the cutoff for that? Uh, the cutoff for masters top 50, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably right at the end of March. Like it's, it's before the week that's preceding the tournament before the Masters, if that makes sense. So he's not thinking about that, but let's crunch it. The hard part about this, and this adds to a broader discussion around the coronavirus stuff, is these guys need opportunities. Yeah. And the Maybank (laughs) event in Malaysia, which is a big European tour event, has been cancelled or postponed. Um, Malaysian Open's off, is it? uh, The Maybank, yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, So these guys need opportunity to, to be able to, Keep a card, get to rankings, sort of destinations for other other reasons. So it's actually wreaking a bit of havoc on, I mean, those guys in the top 20, 30, they it doesn't, matter. doesn't yeah. matter for them. Yeah. But yeah. people trying to make 
make a career or keep a card, it's having an impact. In some cases here, we're going to struggle to see some players, not necessarily for the world match player or anything like that, but actually get from tournament to tournament now. And that's the thing. So I've heard of, well, in other sports, the, some cyclists last week got quarantined. Yeah. Um, the MotoGP yeah. in Qatar's off this week, which is where they're playing in the European Tour. So we're going to have sort of issues where, where people might not be able to get to the next tournament. It is a bigger issue for people with the actual virus. We should put that out on the – just because we, we do see That's the big picture here on Inside the Ropes, you know. <laughs> yes. We look beyond <laughs> the bubble in which we live, but yeah. you make a very – Just being it, a golf it, podcast. That, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, uh, so I, I'd love – I wonder I, – look, who knows what who knows what goes on in the mind of Dustin Johnson, but – He's the first, to my knowledge, is the first is the first big name international you know, golfing superstar. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To say that's it, I'm not going. So he, no, but that wasn't coronavirus, Nothing coronavirus related. Coronavirus, he no. says he's pulled out of the Tokyo Olympics in he's July. A, he's for a Budweiser man anyway, so it doesn't. Affect him. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Very, Have very you nice. seen what's happened to Corona? Yes. In America, down thirty-seven yes. percent sales of Corona. Corona beer. Yep. Mm. Because you Americans, because they're a pretty bright lot. They they have actually associated the coronavirus to the corona beer. Oh wow! Sales of the arse has dropped out of sales of corona. That is amazing. It's America. That's amazing. Oh, so I, I, can I what, unrelated again? Sorry, but while we're on coronavirus, did you? I saw a little graphic of um, air pollution from a NASA satellite over Beijing the other day. Hmm. Almost non-existent because the factories aren't in operation. Oh, because oh. everyone's not working. Air pollution in northern China is almost non-existent. Well, right perhaps now. coronavirus is. You know, the big fella's um, antidote for global warming or climate change. So, ironically, a great time to go, but you can't get there. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dustin, so Dustin Johnson's yeah. out of Tokyo, uh, and his reason, Andy, was that he cited, uh, I've only, through his manager, I've mm. only got so many cracks at winning the FedEx Cup, <laughs> and that's my priority. To which you said... Well, is Dustin aware the Olympics is played every four years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he is, to be I honest don't think with Dustin you. cares about the Olympics. No. But hats uh, off to him for giving a genuine yeah, yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And telling the truth. So he's the first I one. I mean, that's... we don't agree with why he, what no, he's, he's doing it. No, he's still a knob. <laughs> the Olympics, <laughs> whether it goes on, well, who knows? There might not be an Olympic Games at this stage. No. It's, as every week goes by, there's going to be a cutoff point where they have to make the call and uh, this all might be a you know a moot talking point by the mm. time we get there. The whole thing might be might be ahead of the curve, Dustin. Yeah, nothing's changed from the Australian Olympic Committee perspective. By well, the way, just man. for the record, right. yeah, yeah. they just said well, we're taking advice and you know, preparing us if it's happening. But um, you know, we we stand by the World Health Organization's rulings and what yep. what the authorities tell them. So, so to the AAC in this instance, the IOC will make a call and the AOC will fall into line. Correct, with that. correct, yep. and it's not up for the national bodies per se. So um, it's up. It is up to the AOC and therefore the IOC. Yep. Right. Okay. Look, there's plenty of other bits and pieces we've got to get to, but Shane Floyd standing by the man who shot 58 at Chroma Golf Club, uh, which is just on the outside of Manly, outskirts of Manly. So we're going to have a chat to Shane on the other side of this. You're listening to Inside the Ropes. Um, welcome back to the show. Uh, every now and again, well, we revel in remarkable things happening every we week love it, in the world Andy. of golf. Um, generally at the sort of elite level, but. Every now and again, something happens um, down where we live, Maddie. Uh, that we just need to oh, spend a couple this of minutes. Isn't where we live? Andy. No, we live. We never do this, but oh. we, this is where we live. Yeah, okay. Club golf on the weekend. Yes. Uh, pick up the story, Hazy, because you can hear the chuckling Shane Floyd in the background. I'm sure he hasn't stopped laughing since he signed his card on the weekend. Oh, he's been giggling. I don't reckon he's bought a beer for a few days. I know that much. So we're joined. We're we're thrilled to be joined by Shane Floyd of the Chroma Golf Club, which is just near Manly in Sydney, and. Uh, Shane, congratulations on what we believe is just an extraordinary round of golf, Mr. 58. 58. <laughs> no, thank you very much. It's been uh, a wonderful few days. I can't believe actually how many people have congratulated me in all forms. So it's been great. And mate, you're not a chopper, you're a scratch golfer, so you've been in the, you know, the red numbers a lot in your life, but you've ne- have you never been close to this, I couldn't imagine. No, look, honestly, this is out of the blue. I mean, I've had a few rounds of three and four under, um, which is great. But I think uh, once you turn 55, uh, you start thinking, I think my days of uh, shooting numbers like this are well and truly over. So are you just just 55? Yeah, just turned 55 in November last year. Yeah, this would be the that'd be almost the closest shooting near shooting your age thing in the history of golf, I reckon. 
Well, it's a remarkable that you should mention that too, Shane, because this feeds into a conversation that for years we've been having here on the show about equipment. And I wonder, you know, at 55, do you hit the ball as far and as straight or, or with, sorry, as far, but with the greatest level of control that you've ever hit it in your life? Oh, I think, yeah, I think that's true. I think I've been probably doing some golf fitness um, for the last two or three years, which has been purely golf orientated. And I think it's definitely helped me hit the ball further. Definitely. And the equipment, I mean, do you find, have you found, are you a, are you a, 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 a kind of like a compulsive tinkerer? Are you always changing things in your bag? Um, no, look, I've got to be honest, I'm one of those guys that once I find a club, I tend to stick to it and just try and buy new updated ones of that if I can. So, um, look, I know a lot of my mates are ones who buy clubs and, you know, change them every, every few months and, and they love that. But I'm, I must admit, I'm a bit, of a bit of a traditionalist and just stick with the clubs that I've got. So, Shane, you better walk us through this. Tell us, mm. Firstly, tell us a little about the Chroma Golf Club because I'm not sure too many people know too much about it. I mean, we know that it's just right near Manly and, you know, a beautiful Sydney coastal court sort of course, but it's not on the beach per se, is it? No, Chroma is probably hidden away for a lot of people. Um, it's near Narrabeen uh, Lake, which a lot of people probably know down near, um, oh, I guess if people know where Long Reef and Collaroy are, it's just sort of maybe four or five minutes inland from there. So it's tucked away around Narrabeen Lake. It's a great little place, just a past 70 course. Um yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those courses that people don't drive past because it's just hidden away. But uh, I think when they go there and realise just how good our greens are, which many say are some of the best in Sydney, um, I think they'll really, you know, enjoy a, a game there. So let's walk us through the round, mate. You, you, you walk to the ninth tee, I believe, <laughs> to start the round on the ninth. Yeah, yeah. Our round on a Saturday, like probably a lot of clubs, we have a split tee off on the first tee and ninth tee. So mine was a par three, you know, um, the ninth hole. And, um, you know, it just, <laughs> to say a day started well, uh, my first four holes were um, tee to green, maybe six, eight feet away, and uh, drilled one putt on each of them. <laughs> So four, four under through four. I probably shouldn't giggle because this is going to happen a lot in the next few minutes here. But four under through four. What are the, who are you playing with? What did the boys start saying around you? Well, I got to be honest. I was with my normal group of guys, and um, when the when I went four under after four, and they looked at me and said, "That's four one putts, Lloyd. Are you kidding me?" Like <laughs> this, and I said, "Well, let's just hope I can, you know, keep it all in control." And I think mentally, I was thinking, "Let's just." Yeah, if I could par the rest of the round, that'd be great. If it's somewhere around this, just stay under par. But I don't think we all knew what was going to happen later on. So you just when when, when it just kept going, you shot twenty nine for the front par thirty six. So you're seven under at the turn. When when you keep diving deeper into that sort of um, territory, Shane, does it get a bit? Tell us what happens to the brain and what happens to the to the nerves. <laughs> you know, I've often spoken to the guys because Nick Robin and Ryan O'Flaherty and a few of the other pros at our course, we um, often talk about if you got into a position like like this, what you would feel like. And I kept thinking to myself, Jesus, I wish I had those boys around me now <laughs> in my ear. But uh, look, you get nervous. Let's be honest. No one, I, I don't think anyone wouldn't be nervous and thinking. I, my personal thing was don't wreck this round and try and stay under par. I was never thinking I was going to go 8, 9, 10 or anything ridiculous like that. I just kind of thought this will stop soon and I'll, I'll be probably lucky to start parring some holes. But, you know, it just got it got out of hand. To be such a it's such a golfer's way to think. Seven under through the turn, and it's like don't wreck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I know. And, and, and you shouldn't be like that, should you? I mean, how many guys do you hear on the PDA stuff and that? They're always positive, and I want to go lower and everything like that. But Jesus, mate, fifty five and. <laughs> You know, I haven't been in this position before. I'm just thinking, I hope I can put the club on the ball, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you par the first and the second. You're eight under at the moment. You par the first and the second. You walk to the third tee, which is a shortish par five. Yeah, shortish par five. It's only about 430, 40 metres. So it's always a birdie type hole for us. Um, absolutely striped the driver down there again, which made me laugh because then I thought, Jesus, now I'm going to have to have to go for the green, you know? <laughs> And the guys, the guys were all going. Oh, I think maybe you should lay up. You know, let's not not bring the creek, which is around the front of the green, into play. And I, 
got down and only had like a seven iron. I had about 154 in and I thought, oh, no, I think I can I can do this. And I ended up putting it about 15 feet from the hole. Oh. <laughs> and, and another one putt, obviously, for an eagle. Well, well, yeah, I had this putt and it was, a, you know, a little bit of a downhill with a bit of right to left. And as soon as I left my putter, I started going, holy shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It, seriously, guys, it went straight in the middle of the hole and they looked at me and go, you are 10 under par. You, this is ridiculous. 10 you know? under. With, <laughs> 10 under through, what was it, 10 under through 13? Uh, through 12. Through 12. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 13. Yeah. Sorry, Andy, you're right. 13. 13. Oh. Yeah. And so when was the first? There must have been a hiccup at some stage. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a short par three, which I just um, missed the putt for birdie again, about eight, nine feet, and then... Um, we walked up to the fifth hole, which is probably our hardest hole on our course, which is a long par four. It's about four, I don't know, 400, 410, and it's just a hard hole, you know. And ended up hitting a um, <laughs> a drive down the right that was just off the uh, edge of the fairway, tried to cut a shot around these trees, and it ended up in the right bunker. Just hit the bunker shot long, and then I had a 25 foot putt probably. And the guys, I think, were thinking, "God, I hope he just knocks it up." Mate, I missed the par putt by about three inches, and made made a bogey. So you know that was probably the only hiccup of the day. That one. So, so you mentioned the boys a few times here. They're starting to ride you, are they? Not worrying about oh, their own game. I could tell they were talking, but they weren't talking to me anymore. I think they were too scared about upsetting me. And <laughs> one of them came up to me after a while. Oh, Shane. I think we've just lost you for a minute, Shane. Keep, keep, come. We might get you back. Are you, have we still got you or not? I think oh, we've just got a bit of a problem with Shane. No, we still got you. We just lost you there for a moment, Shane. So keep going, mate. Yep. So then. Um, yeah, so that sort of straightened me up a bit because then I thought, I hope I don't, you know, sort of bogey, double bogey or anything all the way in from here. And the last three holes for me, which is six, seven and eight at Cromer, are probably some of our harder holes on the course. And, um, yeah, ended up, believe it or not, uh, birdied every single hole and only had about five or six foot part on each of them. <laughs> So, oh, by, by this stage, we can believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> the bogey took you back out to where if you parred home, you'd have a 61. Uh, at what point did the, yeah. the Magic 5 something or other pop back on the radar? Like, were you aiming for it by this stage? Or were the boys urging you on? What was happening? If I was honest to you, I, had, I wasn't even – I never – not once in my mind did I think I could break 60. Like, it never even occurred to me that being this slow meant being under 60. Um, but the other guy said to me during the round that when I got to 10 under, they started talking about it between themselves and saying, do we tell him? Do we not tell him? You know, should we, we just keep quiet? And I think it's probably good they never told me. <laughs> so you finished with, uh, you finished with your 58. We all crunched the numbers after every round. How, how many putts did you have on the day? Yeah, 22 putts. And a wow. lot of greens. A lot of greens, yeah. Yeah, look, I think um, we worked out, you know, like 22 putts, I think, any round's going to look good on anyone's <laughs> scorecard. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until the guys started breaking down all the facts and figures for me that we realised, Jesus, 22, that's, you know, that's, that's a great day of putting. So just one last shot from the course. You were, you're standing in the middle of the eighth fairway, your last. Uh, you, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, something crazy is going on. What happens there? Yeah. So I, I hit a good drive. I'm probably only, I think I was 110 out and I had a pitching wedge in my hand and I'm thinking, man, I'm just going to wait for the middle of the green. I don't care where the flag is. And I'm standing over the ball and I'm, I, I, was, I was so nervous. I was thinking, I hope I can pick up on the ball here. And God, I might bloody, I think it went to my feet just below the hole. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> couldn't miss. Uh, it's a great story. So uh, how much interest yeah. has there been in a chain since? I mean, we're, we're, we're interested days and days after the event. How much how much interest has there been in, in what you did? Look, I'll tell you how ridiculous it was. I walked up in my scorecard, walked up into the clubhouse. We probably have 70, 80, 90 people that are sitting in the clubhouse. They all stood up and gave me a you know, standing ovation <laughs> when I walked in the clubhouse, which, you know, is it, it, it really... It was overwhelming, to be honest. It was really good. 
And then our um, Jeremy Ward came out, who's our golf operations manager, and he uh, came up and he said, are you kidding me like this? And I said to him, mate, I I sit here and I can't believe it. And it was just one after the other. So, you know, we had some photos taken and Facebook was lighting up and, you know, all these Instagram things were happening and I was hearing from people I hadn't spoken to for 10, 12 years. You know, it was just crazy, crazy how quickly it got out there. And um, by the time I got home, I had people just ringing me up and emailing me from everywhere and people asking, did I know what the lowest score in amateur golf was? And I was going, yes, I don't know. You know. <laughs> and then I'll tell you how far it went. Someone, um, Daryl Hershey from Manly, who's in at the seniors golf, he must have got hold of wind of it and he put it on the website for the senior order of merit that I play in and next thing all of those guys knew about it and apparently someone over at New Zealand Open who we had two or three guys that were catting for people and watching over there and next thing they were receiving texts and they were telling people over in there and it was just I mean it's just been crazy absolutely crazy so we're going to assume you won the comp um <laughs> what uh what did your handicap uh, come down to and have you played since yeah, well, you, under the, you guys probably know better than I do under this new uh, world handicapping system that I think if you shoot, I could be wrong, you probably correct me, if you shoot seven or more better than your handicap, you get penalised two automatic shots. Is that, you guys know about that? Uh, no, I don't. Something similar to that. I'm not yeah. sure of the specifics. <laughs> it's not something we've ever yeah. had to worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's true. Me either. But um, So I went from um, plus point two to plus, 3.7. Oh, wow. Jeez. That's a hit. Holy yeah, cow. And yeah. how many how many Stableford points did that add up to? Well, that was 48 Stableford points for me, and my partner managed to contribute one more to make 49. <laughs> lost an account back in the No. Jeez. Oh, did you get into your mate <laughs> oh, about that? God. So who I is looked you? at him and I said, who are you kidding? Who? You know. <laughs> Who's your Gab Batchu, who, that's, that, that's who you should say. Gab Batchu, what did he do for the day? Well, in <laughs> fairness, that bogey did cost you. <laughs> it's, hard to, oh, it's yeah. hard to get on the card. It's hard for him to get on the card when you're shooting 13 under or whatever it was, 13 under your mark. I mean, that's crazy stuff. So, uh, well, well, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something funny. When I made my bogey, he had about a six-foot putt to get his um, four or three, and he missed it. So there we go. There, you there go. we go. Hey, Shane, thanks for telling the story, mate. It's a hell of a yarn. Uh, it's something yeah. that we only can dream of, most of us. And I'm sure up until the weekend, you're probably the same. You don't even think about doing what you did on the weekend. Uh, but we're glad that you've, um, you're here to tell us a story about it, mate. It's a, a phenomenal round of golf. Uh, congratulations. Okay, thanks for having me on the program, guys. I loved it. Good on you. Brilliant, Shane. Shane Floyd from the Chroma Golf Club, 58. 58. 58. <laughs> Dream about it, folks. Just go when you're playing golf on the week when you're playing golf on the weekend, just go back over your card and see what hole you're on when you actually play your 58th shot. <laughs> Somewhere on the Yeah, about that. Uh, there'll be more on inside the ropes after this. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. How good was that to uh, to listen to Shane there? I mean, you can hear him talk all day. You can hear the just joy in his voice. It was just fantastic. Um, but it wasn't the only crazy thing that happened in Sydney golf at the weekend. Uh, out across, well, across definitely across town at Avondale, uh, there was one of those rare moments where there was, well, a hole-in-one at Avondale by a gentleman who's well-known to you, Matt Cutler, Tony, <laughs> Tony Dyte. Well, he's not well-known to me. However, he is a former Australian Eisenhower Cup representative, number 25. Number 25? Yes, 25th Australian. How do you know that? Uh, there's a historical database of Australian representatives. <laughs> They're right. There is. He's got 25. Matty reckons he might have 25 tattooed somewhere as his Eisenhower Cup number. As he should have. Yeah. Num- <laughs> number plates. Michael Slater still. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he played in 84 anyhow, Andy. Oh, do, good on him. Do you, do you remember your points, if you can name any of the uh, people in that uh, uh, team? Peter Fowler. No, remember that no. time. No. Might have been, he might have been a bit older. Ince uh, uh, had a, a Danny, very famous daughter. Matty Ecob was in that time. Was he? So you, look, you're not dismissing me out of hand here, are you? No, no, no. I've got no idea. No idea. Do you Neil, know who was in that time? I do. Oh, go on. Neil Crafter. Oh. oh. Jane's dad. Jared Power. 
Oh, I see. It's on the cheat sheet. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> seem like a smart And David Smith. <laughs> yeah, I thought you – I, I, I set you up there. Oh, I gave you a half yeah, volley outside. Yeah. I was done, no, but no, you let it go. Uh, anyway, oh, well, uh, so Tony had a hole-in-one on the yep. second, uh, which is 140 metres, and he was playing with uh, another woman that was very familiar to Matt, Jenny Lemon. Well, Jenny's not, but I do know the Lemon family at Avondale. <laughs> Quite Wait, famous. Are they? A famous <laughs> Avondale family? I believe so. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And would you believe, I think Jenny said, is there any more room in the cup for another ball? And they joked about it and giggled and... She went up to the women's tee and went Wooshka from 130 metres, and they had two holes in one oh, on the same hole. Same hole. Stories. What are the odds of that happening? Oh, I, I believe, Andy, that it's about 17 million to one. <laughs> right. How did you come up with that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just crunch some numbers. Yeah, you do. <laughs> hey, can I just put a name? Oh, can I put a name? We mentioned um, we mentioned Oman earlier in the show. Uh, I, I, can I? Can we have, just have a quick chat about this Sammy Valamaki? Yeah. Do you know? Have you ever heard of him before? Oh, I just seen his name on leaderboards and know nothing. He played the Vic Open. He played the Vic Open. Yep. How did he go? I don't know. I don't know. Right. So, oh, I um, wish I'd have I known. Him. I knew. So, have you seen that? The, you talk about tracking. Three two thousand and eighteen does his year of Finnish military service, which is yep. mandatory. So it takes the game off. Takes a year off golf. Two thousand and nineteen. Steps out, plays most of his golf seemingly on this thing called the, you know, the Pro Golf Tour, that, yep. that third-tier Africa, Europe sort of, you know, semi-pro tour. He played most of the – he won four times on that tour that year. So he, he came into 2020 just winning, just used to winning. Yep. Um, this is his sixth tournament start on the European Tour um, and wins – at the, at the end of 2018, he was ranked 1,678th in the world. He's now into 159. I mean, this is a serious ascent that or is. descent, whichever way you want to look at. 21 years old. 21 years yeah. old. Um, he shares a birthday not only with me but with Adam Scott. So there's some great golfing lineage <laughs> on the 16th of July. It's a, it is a special day for golf talent to be born. <laughs> Uh, You're still on the podium. Thank you very much. I don't know anyone else. I'm sure there's somebody else uh, who deserves to be the bronze medalist. Um, and th- this, pro- do you know much about this pro golf tour? Only that it's a uh, an option. It's a bit like it's a pay to play, I believe, Hazy. Yeah. Um, and it's it's, it's been it, going it, since about two there early two thousands. I reckon yeah, from and what it I can does gather. create hardened players that are ready to go on tour. So there's there's a note. Here's a question without notice. There has been, of all the winners of the Order of Merit, th- this is a bit like the Singapore Open. It's one of those events you don't want to win because the oh yeah, you know that one. Yeah, the roll call of past champions is the is the not the who's who of golf, the opposite. Well, the since two thousand and four or whenever the pro golf tour has been going, the list of Order of Merit winners is about as nondescript as you get. There is only one name, and that was back in two thousand and six, who won the Order of Merit. This who went on to become. Fairly handy player. And remember, there's a lot of Germans who play on this tour. Oh. Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer. Did you really? Martin Keimer. Won wow. the Order of Merit this thing in 2006, and then half a decade later was, or a decade later is when he made your championship. So. World number one. There you go. I can um, tell you, Andy, that Sammy Velamaki yep. finished tied seventh at the Vic Open. Under our noses and definitely under the radar, 69, 69, 70, 69. So in the, in the weekend weather... So he's come from a long way back God, and he just made he... the cut 70-69 in those wins. Wow. I hope he comes back and plays next year because if you had I had he had I known anything about him, he's one of those blokes you could have gone, hang on, this yeah, bloke sounds like a player. Let's go and have a look at him play nine holes, you know. Mm. Um he's clearly just the numbers and his capacity to win anywhere, winning is hard. Winning anywhere suggests that this bloke's worth watching. Winning is one thing in the high performance program that we really take stock in. So three things that we look at are winning, yep. um, your actual ranking, and then the average inside your ranking is actually really important because your ranking can get skewed a bit by the amount of tournaments you've played and the type of tournament you've played. Right, so okay. You, we dug a bit deeper and found the average, this is in the amateur game, the average of your ranking, and that gives a great indicator of um, how you're tracking. But winning is equal to that. And then the ranking is the third most important part. Mm. Mm. So win, 
winning anywhere, as you <coughs> said. Well, he's ticking a few boxes, this kid. Yeah, I didn't realise. Anything research, else? General good, business good research. What? Was that you? good research? No, I've got to be excited. I know we've got to be interested. Not excited. You've got to be interested in him this morning, just before yeah. we having a cup of tea. And I thought I'll have a bit of a see what I can find out about this kid. And there's a bit there you can't find yeah. out everything. But he's on, as you said, cuts. He's only 21, and he's as fresh as fresh can get. Like he's he's brand new, really. So. Well, um, let's see what he does. I'm heading to the western end of Scandinavia for the next bit of news, Andy. Mm. Uh, Julia Engstrom, mm. who saluted at the uh, Dubbo Golf Club at the weekend for the New South Wales Women's Open, which is a fantastic event on the LET. Her breakthrough win on the LET and the ALPG, um, co-sanctioning partners of that event in central New South Wales, or probably central west, um, probably the Western Plains. Let's go with Western Plains. I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh Unbelievable finish by Julia Engstrom too. So just just like Salamaki, just you know a, a storybook thing. She she was a couple down to Manon de Roy of Belgium, and uh, on the last couple of holes she sort of drew drew level. She'd been three down with less than nine to play, and on the eighteenth tee stood there with a five iron from one hundred and seventy six meters and knocked it into gimme range with a, it's a par three closing hole at, at Dubbo. So. Uh, the way to finish a tournament, and Daroe ended up bogeying. So it doesn't look as close as it was, but with all everything on the line, she's yep. hit a five iron to a couple of inches and 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 sealed it. So another young Swede, uh, great tournament they put on there. But you know, uh, someone who's going places. So congrats to her That's too. Great, yeah. Jenny awesome. Lee, best Aussie, finished ninth. Jenny's had a uh, a pretty good summer. She's building South Australian. So yeah, she's going well. That's good. Good, good. news. Uh, any other? Items of general business. A few little odds and ends just yep. very quickly. You, meant, you mentioned um, the Oman Open and Mav Ancliffe was the best Aussie there. Mm. Uh, I think he was 40th, 43rd, Matty, from memory. Yep. 43rd. Uh, and Scott Hand, rather, was the only other Aussie to make the cut. Harris Endicott was 20, yeah. 24th on the, the Corn Ferry Tour, tour which did is you great. See who was, uh, did you see who was in the, uh, I reckon, at the halfway mark of that tournament? I just did a, jumped on the, had a look. There's a bloke sitting tied second, tied third at the halfway mark of that tournament. And you thought, what? What? Mark Hensby. Yeah. 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 Mark Hensby was like, uh, the lead might have been nine under the halfway mark lead, and I think he was seven or eight under. So good to see him still, you know, mixing it. Uh, Rod Pampling mm-hmm. duked it out unsuccessfully, as many have, with Bernard Langer on the Champions Tour. It was very close for a long way. Bernard closed well. Pampling didn't, but watch for Pamps. He's going to be an ATM on that, on that tour. We need to find out what Langer's eating. Or what his sleep patterns are like, or it, well, how much calf's bloody drinks every morning, or something. He's doing something unusual. <laughs> I think unusual. he still works as hard as he ever did. Yeah, but that's probably the reason. There's probably no mystery, is there? Yeah. Not really. He is unbelievably. He's a phenomenon. This bloke. Uh, speaking of phenomenons, uh, Matt mentioned it before. His old club, Riversdale, the Riversdale yes. Cup, the oldest, the second oldest amateur seventy-two hole event in Australia, uh, and the oldest women's seventy-two hole stroke play event in Australia. Uh, goes around again this week. It does. Um, good field, really nice field assembled there too, Matt. Yep, always a good field. Some good international players come down. The uh, Singapore, the Japanese teams make a make a trip of it and uh, and really bolster that field, which is good for our players to compete against them too. I think it's the first time that um, all the top amateurs have been together for quite a while, given the you know the state opens and yep. and, and professional events on the women's side that they've been in, invited to. Um, and this includes a couple of players this week who were outstanding at the Tasmanian Open at the weekend. So Catherine Norris from Mandurah in WA uh, was runner-up to Becky Kay in the Tasmanian Open last year at Olveston. Went back with a bit of um, SOL, Andy, as you know, and won by five shots. What's SOL, mate? Something on the liver. Oh, right. Okay. Thank oh. you. And um, <laughs> not only that, so five, five <laughs> shots she won by, having been runner-up last year. From Sarah Johnston. From Sarah Johnston. Thank you. Who is the captain of Olveston. Yeah, a local girl on yeah. her home track. Uh, on the men's side, Hayden Hopewell, if you've got, I know oh, you've, you always play. bring your black book he in. No, we, so we made, well, I reckon we made mention of him. Was it at the Australian Open? Yeah, it might have been. Somewhere, there was somewhere yep. he was playing really well last year. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. You talked about the sound of the ball off the club yeah. before. Hayden. He's, yeah, Hayden's, he's got, Hayden's got that sound. Um, last year, he he was three or four up with about seven or eight, nine to play, and Aidan Dedone ran him over and got him in the playoff. So he yeah. went down to uh, Olverston with a bit of SOL and was 10 shots clear uh, with a round to play. 
and eased up and won by five. So, and the funny thing with that story is that every time seemingly I was, to, I was told by Catherine Norris that one of the two of them goes well, the other one goes well. So they've won um, the Ned Bank Junior Masters, for example, together mm. and a couple of other junior events in WA at the same time. So they're going well and they'll be part of the Riversdale Cup this week. So great tournament down at Olverson. Yep. Tasmanian Open, great success again. Yep. Greg Longmore, best Tasmanian in the men's field. How, he, what could he have done if he wasn't working for a living in inverted commas? Yeah, he's um, he's an old school amateur. Yeah, one of a better phrase. He's he's mixed full time work with playing with on Saturday really, mornings. Really good golf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's whenever he comes to the um, interstate series, mm. he always gets the big name rising amateurs from each state, and he holds his own mm. all the time. It's quite remarkable. Great player, Greg Longmore, mm. uh, and. I need to mention a couple of things here, Andy, just little plugs. Um, our program, Getting to Golf Seniors, is up and about. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, and it's, you can access it on the website at golf.org.au forward slash golf. It's a program that runs for five weeks for senior novice golfers who might just want to pick it up and get into it. And it's going gangbusters. So all the feedback on it is fantastic. Right. For It's for people who've not played before. Uh, have always wondered what golf was about. Go down or check it out. See where all the programs are running. They're mostly started in most states around its, around the country already. Um, check it out. Get into it. It's sure, fantastic. Be to drop in and plug and play nine. Give that and play nine. Time. Well, yep. this is this one of the all time great competitions. So it, this is open to everyone with a handicap. Organize. You can do this any time, and you can in most states you can play more than once in different competitions. Get your club to organize a play nine competition. Mm. Win it in advance. If you win the state final. You get to come down here and represent your state, and I say here because we're in Melbourne recording this, to play at Kingston Heath in the in the Men's Australian Open, um, most likely in November. Um, you get to play Kingston Heath, and if you're the winner of this national final, how about this, Andy? You get to go and play at St Andrews before the Open Championship next year in 2021. Okay. Yeah, right, okay. Unbelievable yeah. prize, and anyone can do it. You yeah. can be sitting at home with a terrible handicap in your own opinion, Tee up a play nine, keep pegging away. Kingston Heath, St Andrews. World Kabilia Royster. Yeah. Um, Cuts, lovely to see you. Likewise. That's Matthew Cutler. Hayes, that's Mark Hayes. Lovely to see you. <laughs> you too, Murray. <laughs> this has been Inside the Ropes for the 153rd time, believe it or not. We'll be back next week to make it 154th.